Okay, there it is. I missed you so much. It was so good to get home. And it was so exciting to have this theme waiting for us um, to see. So, God the Redeemer, you got a handout as you came in. And in, in this way that we're studying, the... Um, the good thing is that we get this wonderful collage of scriptures and then um, the, also the wonderful opportunity is just to zero in on a few that really shout out. And so I felt like God wanted us to just really uh, go narrow and deep and then let the laser beam shine right into the the place in our personal lives where we need to have a redeemer, where we need to have a refuge that is accessible because life can get kind of crazy. Amen? Uh, life can be kind of chaotic and difficult. These concepts aren't to be left in the lofty clouds. They are to be brought home. They are to be real and tangible and concrete for us. God is the redeemer of us. His arm is not shortened. His arm is not shortened. And when we are danger in danger, which we often are, then he is our refuge and our fortress. Lord, we just pray, God, over these Wonderful, wonderful are words that you are able to redeem us from the past. That is salvation from the past, from any past tragedy or pain or trouble or failure. You are able to give us safety and refuge in the present and for any trouble that we might face in the future. And so, God, we pray that you would bring it home to us tonight. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God the Redeemer and Refuge of His People. Definition. To redeem is to set someone free by paying a ransom. To buy the freedom for someone. Or to buy back something that was pawned and mor or mortgaged. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've gone to pawn shops just once in a while. Not really to buy anything, but it just, it, it just draws me sometimes to walk in. And when I look at the, the rings and the cameras and Sometimes there's toys in pawn shops. And I just stand there and kind of feel like I experience human sorrow, human loss. And we know in a pawn shop that the concept is you, you need cash. You need cash right away. And so you take your mother's wedding ring or you take your wedding ring or, or you take a watch your, your, your grandmother had or or a camera you got for your birthday, and you sell it cheap. With the hope that someday you'll be able to get enough cash together 
but then you have to pay more than you got when you turned it in. But, but the truth is the reason they stay in business is because you never come back. You never come back to get it. Well, Jesus says, I come back. I come back. And I pay that price. I come back to redeem you and restore you. A redeemer is one who redeems or, or ransoms. And it's not with money. It's perfectly clear in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we're to know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from our aimless conduct received by the tradition of our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The highest price, of course, that can be paid. That's why last week's study was so, so important. And so as I laid out Isaiah 43, which was one of our scriptures this week, felt like the Lord wanted us to take it very, very personal. And as you'll see, I have some dashes, some dashes. And this is the point, Isaiah 43. But now, thus says the Lord, in that first scripture at the top of your page, thus says the Lord, okay, pause now. It is God who's speaking, who created you. Take your pen and put your name there. He created, put your name. He created you, Chris, you, Tracy, you, Leslie, Teresa, Kathy. He created you. And he who formed you, put your name. Fear not. Fear not, for I have redeemed you put your name. This is a past tense word. I have redeemed you. I have called you. Put your name by name. You and then put your name are mine. Present tense. He's redeemed you already. Present tense. This is your new identity. I don't care whatever labels you have ever have po posted on your forehead from your childhood, in your home, unwanted. Maybe some of you were called dumb, slow, cast off. Those are no more. This is what God Almighty says. And this is what we need to take into our hearts tonight. Most of us believe this in theory, in theory. And we probably, probably all of us can think of someone who has a powerful example of this. And they personally have applied it to their life. And you see such a change from their past into their present. But sometimes in the living reality of life, and the struggles that sometimes come up, there's a gap. And they call it that 12-inch gap. I know you've probably heard of it. From your head, from what you think in your head, and these concepts, down here to your heart. To where it really sinks in, and you live it out. 
We can believe in our heads, but still our hearts, souls, minds, and strengths sometimes aren't quite there. So let me tell you a story. This is really important. Um, I had a a, a retreat this weekend, and uh, the theme was spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. And so this is the intro to it. I said, tonight we're looking at the whole concept of military strategy. What must we know? How can we fight the right fight? How can we recognize the enemy? And what are the stakes? When we win, what do we gain? And when we lose, what is lost? And then I gave them two scriptures, which I'm going to give to us tonight because these are big ones. First one, Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart. For from it flow the issues of life. That's why there can't be, we got to close the gap. What we know in our head, what we see in the Bible, has to sink all the way to the depths of our soul. We must guard our heart. And we must guard our minds also. Because that is the battlefield. Sometimes people think spiritual warfare is about, oh, your cranky mother-in-law. Or some fight you had at work. Or some financial problem you're going through. Oh no, this is the battleground. Make no mistake about it. Second scripture that I gave them was 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. Which says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. And what are they for? To pulling down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so we're going to look at that. Are there strongholds yet in our life as believers? Places that that we just don't seem to get victory. And are there thoughts and fears And sorrows that still exalt themselves, still exalt themselves, raise their ugly head, that conflict with what we read as truth, what God says. Are there? And so as I looked at that crowd, I said, I see your faces. I see your faces, but I know what the reality is in any group I ever am uh, speaking to that oftentimes just one inch below the surface, there's heartache and pain. There's problems we're struggling with, things that we can't fix. Dilemmas and heartaches that are breaking our heart. And yes, things that sometimes we just can't seem to get over. And so, and so, I feel like the Lord is speaking to us in that way. And and that he wants us to not... Not just bypass those things, but look at how these principles that we looked at this week apply to us. Well, well, this was Saturday night that I gave that message. And afterwards, I, I, I invited people to come forward for prayer. And one lady that I've known, I've known this woman. 
She's, she's just a lovely Christian woman. She has a wonderful family. She just has this darling, sweet face. She's a servant. She came, came just crying, crying. And then she wanted to hide. We, we kind of hid behind, you know, a big wall so no one could see her because other people know her. And, and she was ashamed of her tears. She was shamed what she was just going to tell me. And she poured out her story that when she was, now she's 40, but, and I'll call her Sue. When Sue was just 21, um, she was invited on a date by a man that she really didn't like. But her mother had taught her to never make anyone feel rejected. So for some reason, she, she felt like, oh, I've got to obey my mom and not reject this guy, but I won't go out with him at night. I'll just, I'll say, I'll, I'll go out with you on a day date. That's safer. Well, for her, it wasn't. She, he, he brutally raped her. She was 21. And all these years, she's told two people, two people about it. She was just so full of pain and so full of shame about it that it just wounded her. And it's crippled her and it keeps coming up in her thinking. And, and, and so when she came forward, I, I didn't know what it was about because of she, she never told me this story, but I could see one look on her face, and it was the look of defeat. Let's say that. Defeat. And, and I don't know if you've ever struggled with something, and you just can't quite get over it. A, a, a bitterness, a fear, a, a resentment, a, 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 a horrible memory. But defeat was on her face that night. Because she's a Christian. She loves God's word. She loves God's people. But she just couldn't break loose. So she went to counseling a few years ago. For a year and a half, she was in counseling. So they went to that place and they tore it apart and they looked at her feelings. But she said, you know, it was worse. It was worse. Because it's like she gave life to it. Do you see what I mean? She gave life to it. Well, some of you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with me and Isaiah and redemption um, and refuge? God wants to heal us completely. Romans 12 says, this is what it says. Do not... Be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, hold that concept. By the renewing of your mind. Okay, here's her old state. Where just anything can trigger these memories and send her on a tailspin. Okay, uh, I'm saying if there's something in your life that happens like that, just apply it to her dilemma. And you think it, and you rethink it, and you rethink it. And so what it does, it develops this strong path in your brain. Can you see that? And, and something triggers it, and there it goes. And you've got all that, whether it's a fear or a memory. And so she she had this really strong reason. And I, I said, 
the Bible says our mind can be renewed. And I've been doing research on this, and it's so exciting, and it's called neuroplasticity. And what happens is that, that God made it so your mind can be renewed. And this is how it works. And this is where it applies to your Bible study. In this research, in this research, say for instance, one of the doctors was studying soldiers that sometimes got wounded because they're facing battle. They sometimes would get hit in the head with shrapnel or something, damaging part of the, their brain where the words come. Okay, All right, track with me. And so they have shown that if that person was a word person, words that they understood, maybe words that they studied, words that they used often, that in their recovery process, because they were stored, 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 then they could be restored and your brain would find a way to those words in a new path, and the old path would then be dead. Okay, again, how does that apply to you? This Bible study, we have words. We have concepts. We have truths. The more you use them, the more you understand what they mean, the more you dig out the treasures, the more you have holy curiosity, the more you share it with others the more you apply it to real situations in your life, it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And just like a soldier wounded in war, you may have that pain and that, that wound, but then God made this wonderful thing where faith comes and occupies. In the case of Sue, who had worn this path, I said, listen, cut off the enemy. I love the scripture this, this, this week in Isaiah. Well, there'll be a moment when we'll see this, the devil, we'll see Satan, and we'll say, is he the one that caused so much trouble? He's nothing. He's nothing but smoke and mirrors. He's nothing. How could we have ever believed the lie? And so with the case of Sue, I said, let's apply scripture. Let's apply scripture. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds. Therefore, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, if there be anything excellent or worthy of praise, think on these things. I said, do you see how you have given the enemy a route to you? You've allowed him access to your thought life, 
to wound you again and again and again. Cut them off at the pass and reroute, reroute your thoughts to truth, reroute your heart and soul, reroute, activate. And again, in these powerful concepts, let's turn now to our, our handout and look at refuge. He's a shelter from danger is refuge. A shelter from falsehood. A shelter is a place that gives protection and safety. Isaiah 43 says, when you, again, insert your name, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though the rivers, they shall not and and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you, nor shall the scorch flame scorch you. You will not be burned. And as I was reading this over and over again, I made a margin, a note in my margin. God's not saying if. He's saying when. Because sometimes the storms come and the rivers overflow their banks or the fires come and hard times do come. But this is the promise. This is the promise. His presence in the midst of trouble will be that buffer. And what he's urging us to do is to run to it, to activate our faith, to develop these these new pathways instead of going to the fear trail, the fear trail, the fear trail. Just go immediately to the Lord and say, Lord, you have redeemed me. My life must mean so much to you that you would pay so much for me. And so, God, that which you redeemed belongs to you. And so now, God, I ask you to see me through this. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible, when Nebuchadnezzar said, was Nebuchadnezzar, wasn't it? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Said, who is this God who is able to save you? Who is he? And the truth is, they knew their God. Their answer to him was, even if, even our God is able to deliver us, but if not, if he doesn't, deliver us from the fire, then we'll still trust him. And so what, what I want to close with tonight is the key element. The key element. As we study this, these concepts tonight, as you look at what God is saying, we have all a decision 
to activate it with a big word called trust, a five-letter word. Please write that down because we're going to do a definition on that. A definition of trust. And it's become one of my favorite words. And I, I look at it over and over and over again because the power it has for me. Trust. Sometimes we, we look at a word like that and we think, well, I think I know what it means. But trust is the Hebrew word batach. Batach. And what is the definition? It's to be confident. To be confident. Not self-confident. Not financially confident. Not confident in people. Not confident of your situation. But God confidence. That's what we need. When trouble comes, we go, my God is an awesome God. My God is an awesome God. It's reliance. It's firm reliance. But it goes not to just this essence of it, but it hits us right in the emotions. This definition in the Hebrew includes to feel safe. To feel safe. And it also includes to be bold. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were bold. They were bold in their trust in God. And it means to be carefree. Carefree. So let me read the, this last tag on, not an Isaiah um, scripture, but a Psalm 46 scripture. And I want to give a plug for the Psalms. Next week is our last study, and then I'm going to encourage you boldly, unashamedly to come back to the one-year Bible in this break that we have from Bible study. And I want to say to you, you need the Psalms. You need the Psalms. You need the stories. Some important things are going on in the one-year Bible right now. We're looking at how the children of Israel, the children of Israel had the promises. They had the promises. They had God showing up. They had God providing for their every need. But when it came to trust, they fell flat on their face. They turned their back on God and they shook their fist at him. I want to say no. The Psalms give us words to grab hold of. And Psalm 46 is a big one. And I left blanks, and I'd like you to, to sometime just on your knees, it now uses not just me, singular, it uses the word are. And, and to go back and prayerfully ponder, filling in those plural spaces, maybe with your family, in your marriage, your kids. But let me read it to you, Psalm 46. God is. God is. Not just past tense, not just future tense. Today, right now, He is our refuge and our strength. 
our God is a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we, and fill in the blank, we will not fear. We will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, through its waters, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, that's us, just at the break of dawn. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so, just would like to take just a moment of silence. And some of you still have some strongholds. And, and, and I have to admit, sometimes I have some strongholds. Sometimes I let the voice of the enemy exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And so if you would just take a moment, and at the bottom here, just acknowledge maybe something you've worried about today, something you keep worrying about, you going back to, something you from the past, maybe you haven't let go and you know of. You haven't accept his complete redemption. You haven't completely let him change the price tag on your forehead to beloved, child of God, saint. There's something that you feel is a stronghold, a worry, a concern. Just write, write a word or two. Some of you are worried about the future. Maybe there's some health issues. Or something going on with your kid, kids. Okay, let's close with prayer. Just like you to lay your hands on whatever that is. And now I'm going to encourage you to do what I encourage Sue to do. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He's a liar. And when he speaks, he lies. He loves to give us fear and torment. And God wants to give you peace and joy and confidence and security. He wants to make you bold like a lion. Fear less. Fear not, he says to you tonight. Because he is a very present help. Lord, we hold our hands over these things. And they're real. Sometimes it feels like the mountains do fall into the sea. And Lord, we just pray, God, that we would cut off the path of fear and doubt 
and struggle. And God, that we would choose to trust you with all of our heart. That we would choose to go quickly and run to you and hide under the shadow of your wing. We would choose to feel safe. We would choose to be confident. We would choose to rely with all of our heart on you, the great lover of our soul, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Abba Father, and our refuge. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.